one fucking touches me, I will shit my pants. And she's like, oh my God, go. So I'm sprinting now to the porta potty, obviously. And I push past Kate. And she just slaps me and she goes, go get him, girl. We didn't know each other. There was no, it's just like where rugby is. It's like, hey, go get a girl. So that was the first um, interaction we ever had together. <laughs> <laughs> That's an all-time story. Oh, my God. Yeah, I was in white shorts. Like, it couldn't have been worse. <laughs> and I'm not ashamed to tell that story because it is so fucking funny. <laughs> That's awesome. That is a breath of fresh life right there. That's our intro, and it's it's been decided. Let's begin now. Three sixty. I woke up this morning, and I said, you know, instead of waiting for a good day to happen, you know, waiting around through ups and downs, you know, I I just said, look. Once again, hello everyone. Welcome to the program. It is a breath of fresh life coming to you guys on this Monday evening. It is episode 13 and uh, today we will be talking about uh, sports and kind of our, our lives in sports, our journeys, that sort of thing. So really interested to see where this conversation goes. Um, so I will bring in my two uh, co-hosts, Andrew Lydon and Brenna Keith. Hey guys. Good evening. It is really chilly out there. We got some snow in this area uh, the other day. Um, do you want to hear a horror story? Ah, uh, yes, actually, I would. All right. This was this was a case of a Mondays today for me. I I wake up six twenty. That is fifty minutes too late for me to wake up and shower. It's time to leave. So. I uh, jump in the shower because I hadn't in two days, you know, and I was setting up Christmas, and I was all sweaty, so I was like, okay, I have to shower, had the shower, had to wake Kate up because her car was blocking mine. Okay, yeah, I go out to turn my car on, and there is, like, easily a foot of ice just front to back of my car, and I was like, no matter what I do, I'm late. I'm I'm decently late today. So I start, my hair's wet, so now it's freezing as I'm trying to hack at the ice on my car. Um, and then I started to cry because I was like, <laughs> because that's what I do when I feel anything that's not happy is I cry. So now I'm crying and now the tears are freezing onto my face because <laughs> it's so cold. And then if I had to move my car forward and so now I'm hacking and I woke Kate up and poor Kate, she was so sleepy, she went to the window She's like, what's happening? And I was like, I'm trying to get this ice off. It's not coming off. And she's like, you should have done that yesterday. And I was like, you don't think every ice chip I've hit today wasn't, you should have done this yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) So then I was like, okay, go back to bed, got in the car. 
minutes to spare before a meeting. And I was not prepared for said meeting. And so I'm like panicking, scrambling on the computer, hair like who knows what. And then went in meeting, went perfectly fine. The rest of the day, fine. But holy crap, that Monday morning was a case of the Mondays. <laughs> That's rough. Right. And I feel like stuff like that only happens on Monday. Yeah. Not no. like none, not, not the other days of the week. <laughs> not when it's, not when you don't need it to happen, right? Like tomorrow I have like the first two periods free. Who gives a crap? But not today. Mm-hmm. There's also some jobs that you can be late for and jobs you kind of can't be late for. And you can't just be like, you know, 17 year old kids, I'm going to trust you to hold tight for like. 20 minutes. Hold tight. <laughs> Especially when you get freshmen coming in that's like, you have 15 minutes and you can leave, right? And I'm like, no, absolutely. What a fear. Oh my God. The deepest fear. <laughs> and it really doesn't help that my biggest flaw is that I have no issues with time management. Like, if I'm late, I'm like, I'll get there. Except for work, where I have intensive time anxiety. Because you're right, it's the only job. <laughs> We're truly being late. It's real bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Andrew, how how are you doing? <laughs> I'm good. No, no. Uh, I'd say I had a very uneventful Monday on my part. Very, very standard. Good. Good to hear. How about yourself, man? Uh, good. Good. Um, just had a dinner of Chipotle, so. You know, I'm feeling pretty good. Um, yeah, not a whole lot, not a whole lot going on today. Um, yeah, I got our Christmas tree yesterday, so decorations are out in full swing. Um, got my Santa hat on, so yeah, it's time to party, I guess. Um, Giddy up. So yeah, I figure we just get right into our um, topic for today. Before we do that, you can follow. Um, our podcast on Twitter at Breath Podcast. Uh, yeah, you can follow each of us on Twitter. I made uh, like a Twitter story. I don't even know what the heck it's even called. Uh, I think it was on my like personal page. I did a little thing. Oh, what we're talking about today. Um, I think they're called fleets. I don't know why they're called that. But, um, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, so... Yeah, we'll get into it, talking about uh, sports today. I think each of us have, you know, kind of unique takes on on that. So um, I think it would make sense for us to just start kind of talking about the beginnings, you know, of us playing sports maybe when we were, you know, young and, yeah, just kind of go from there. So um, up to either one of you guys if you want to take that. Yeah, keep kick the ball off. When I first, I think the first time I started playing sports was like kinder kicks, which is just such a classic start, I feel like, for anyone in the sport world. Um, and then I also did t-ball, short-lived, because I didn't 100% understand the rules, and um, my dad was forced to coach, and he like really didn't want to. And so I, you know, like as a young child trying to learn if it was like a, you know, two outs, throw it to any base to get the next person out, right? I didn't get that. I was like, yo, I'm on third, that girl's on second, throw it to me. 
and if they didn't, I would cry. So had to take a little break. We we had a rough start, but from there, um, honestly, I've played like almost every single sport I could possibly. Hmm. Like I've played, I tried to play football. Really big push for that one. Uh, Dan Danny Boy Keefe said no, definitely not. He was a Pop Warner football coach, so that was going to be a hard no. Big uh, cheerleading a shot, never again. Uh, don't like being picked up. <laughs> uh, dabbled in soccer, softball, basketball, track. I'm not a runner. Uh, <laughs> I've done... Oh, tennis. My aunt paid for a tennis camp. I had to do that. Um, I count CrossFit as a sport. I did CrossFit for a while. Mm. Rugby, obviously, mm. because I finally could, and it's worse than football, and I didn't care. Um, but, yeah, no, I played every sport that I possibly could throughout my life. Mm. And honestly, don't think I would be who I am even remotely if I wasn't playing three seasons of sports from first through. Mm such a team dynamic like I'm very personable I need to have connections um and with a team it's like I have this I'm very competitive person I've always been very competitive ever since I was little like board games I'll fuck you up if I can I don't care um I was like I was an only child so I would you know like <laughs> I had to kind of make up a lot of games so I was you know played a lot of card games I'm, I'm competitive and with a team, when you're, like, really young, you have people around you who are also competitive, who are, like, a family, who you spend all your time with, you have inside jokes with, you can push, you push each other, but in a good way. Like, some of my best, literally, actually, my best friends throughout school, I played soccer, basketball, and softball with. So I spent almost all day, every day with all of my best friends. Um and I really think that if I didn't have sports, I wouldn't have gone out of my way to hang out with people. That's not really my personality. So sports gives me that. Hmm. And then like after practices, you know, everyone wants to hang out and it's, it's like a nudge in the right direction. Like rugby is the reason that I stayed at Syracuse, um, literally would have left Cuse and probably come home if I didn't start playing rugby. And if I didn't have friends who were like, come hang out with us after practice. Hey, you, like, come to the girls' house in 20 minutes. Let's hang out. Like, they, it was forced. Emily Rossi, shout out to you if you ever listen to this podcast. Mm -hmm. Like, forced friendship, but it's what I needed. And that's what mm -hmm. college sometimes doesn't give you unless you play mm -hmm. a sport, unless you have that group. Mm -hmm. So I honestly mm -hmm. think that, like, sports saved my life and made me who I am. Hmm. I've got a lot of follow-up questions. I'm just going to keep. I'm going to keep a note of them. We can. We can go. We can keep going on this. We can. We can go through another journey. But yeah, that's that's a lot of meat on that bone right there. Yeah, definitely. Um, Andrew, what what about you? Yeah. So um, I grew up, um, you know, as like a verb child for sure. Like moving, running, right, hitting, biting, scratching. Um, and I was just, just a ball of energy, uh, you know, even now I'm still trying to figure out how to channel that like super hyper high motor person. Um, and
and sports wasn't really good. Yep, 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 yep. Like just just kind of how I'm wired. And so sports was a great avenue to kind of get some of that steam off. So like Brian did everything. Like I did taekwondo, baseball, soccer, hockey, football, volleyball, tennis. I mean, everything, you know, everything. Um, and, you know, I played, you know, like I played, I never had a dull moment. I was always playing like a summer league or a fall league or, you know, travel winter teams, AAU teams, CYO teams, you name it, I've played it. Um, and, um, you know, when I was like five or six or seven, you know, I thought I was going to play every, every single sport professionally. And I was like, die hard. And, you know, even like, you know, I'll play intramural championships and stuff at Providence, like at Providence College and like, I still get very competitive, but I also learned like the joy of like realizing that like in seventh, eighth grade, like I'm five foot, I'm on the B team for basketball. Like I'm not even a top 20 player within my small town. And like, I kind of like began to realize like, you got to enjoy this stuff. It's recreational. We're just having fun. Uh, had some awesome coaches that like understood that and really let us like get five guys after practice and like keep it pretty light, keep it pretty recreational. And, um, Definitely saw the joys of that. So I've seen sports from the from like, you know, trying to play in college, like with volleyball and like playing junior Olympic and all that. But but when I look back at my athletic career, the the overarching thing was like the people, the lessons that I learned, the uh, the leadership components that I kind of discovered about myself. And um, you know, I take those with me through the rest of my life. Um, and even now, like I work, you know, in sales, which is like largely built on the principles of competitiveness, communication. And like failing, failing better and, and failing forward. And, you know, you learn all that within the environment of sports. And then lastly, just the captainships that I had throughout um, high school, you know, um, uh, two time, just a couple, couple ones that got stacked up there. And, and that taught me a ton about leadership, which definitely uh, I still hold with me today. And then lastly, coaching, um, which is, which is a, a, another beautiful thing that I've you know done for three years for Nitty before COVID with the volleyball team and, I love doing that as well. I, I do it on a voluntary basis, and I think it's the coolest thing. So, hmm. seen it on a lot of angles, and um, definitely appreciate the, the the relationship I have with athletics. Hmm. All while being a pretty below average athlete, <laughs> but still, you know, still chalk up what you can do. Yeah, realizing in seventh grade that you're not going pro. Yeah, humbling. <laughs> I feel like that's never like a thing that girls go through. Like I was never like I'm gonna be in the WNBA. <laughs> like, hmm. <laughs> like in no age was that something that I was told, but I feel like that's also like, you know, kind of our society when I, we were growing up, and, you know, it was formatted more like, like you said, fun is fun. And if yeah. you're really good, get a college scholarship. Like that was the goal, you know? Yeah. So, Jared, I, what about you? so I think, um, you know, starting playing like, you know, six or seven years old playing, you know, t-ball and playing soccer. Um, so, you know, at, th- at that point in my life, you know, I wasn't really totally aware that I was living with a disability because, you know, at that age, like, you don't really process it really at all. Um, and so, you know, playing t-ball, playing soccer for me was, you know, pretty normal, you know, and it was a, a fun way to kind of get involved and to like meet people because when I played t-ball, I want to say that it was you know, the spring of like when I was in first grade and um, I had went to like a private school for kindergarten 
And so I had come into Sudbury into like the schooling system, not really knowing anyone. Um, and so me playing T-ball was kind of a way for me to kind of meet some kids in Sudbury. Um, and then, you know, soccer kind of was something that I did throughout elementary school years. Um, and that was, you know, just a fun experience just to, you know, have fun with some people. Um, so, you know, I'm not sure where this happened, but it was pretty much at this early age that I became like a, totally obsessed with sports and like reading all this information, absorbing so much. And, you know, here's some crazy story. Um, in first grade, we had like eighth graders from the middle school come to visit us. And each student was supposed to like make a book and like work on a book for like the majority of the school year. And I literally, I'm not even kidding. I wrote a book about like different sports and like the rules and like for the pictures, I drew pictures of like the different courts and fields. Like that's how obsessed I was. And it's like, it's kind of never stopped. You know, I've always had this curiosity of, you know, statistics or learning stuff about, you know, historical things and, and, and stuff like that. So, um, you know, then, you know, continued into me, you know, playing video games and literally only playing sports video games and pretending like I was the broadcaster and like, you know, doing stuff like that. And so, you know, that kind of was my start with sports, you know, playing those small, you know, team sports and then, you know, just being totally obsessed with it. And it's so interesting because I'm not sure where that comes from exactly. Um, but I can, I can remember at, you know, four or five years old watching, you know, baseball on, on TV, um, not really grasping what was going on, but like, just, I don't know, maybe just, you know, absorbing it. Do you think that like, did your parents or did your brother, like, were a lot, was baseball like one of the first sports that you got really really into or was it basketball in general like any sport just the the idea of sport I guess yeah or I, is it more specific I think I honestly think it was baseball because like I remember at an early age you know dad having the tv on and you know watching baseball um but like that was a sport that I loved just because of like the pastime and like there's so much wild information about like the history of the game because it's so deep and you know, I felt like that was like the, the sport, the first sport that I loved. And I feel like a lot of people would say that, you know, when they're maybe in their early to middle elementary school years, that everyone just is so interested in baseball um, just because of the, the, the history of the game. And that I think was really what kind of interested me. And like in elementary school, you know, we'd have, I would, we would have like uh, book cubbies where we just put books that we we're reading. And I remember my cubby was always full of like sports books because all I would read was like, you know, biographies about certain players or, you know, the history of, of games. Um, so just was, just was like, so something that interested me so much. Yeah. It sounds like it drove your learning. Like it, like you read, you yeah. learned math through batting averages and stuff. Like mm -hmm. it's definitely a driver for your education as well. Yeah. That's a cool way of looking at it, Drew. Yeah. 
and I think baseball also was the sport that I kind of stuck with the longest, you know, pretty much up until maybe it was like fifth grade was when I kind of stopped playing sports, you know, just because the, it really just wasn't safe enough for me. And then, you know, in seventh grade started using the, the power chair full time. Um, but amazingly enough, I was able to stay involved with baseball because there were a number of like um, dads who are coaches that I knew and let me stay on and like score keep for summer baseball teams or spring baseball teams. Um, and like, I'll always be so grateful to them for, you know, letting me be involved in, in, in the teams. You know, if I wasn't playing, I could still be around the, be around the guys and, and score keep and, you know, be able to do something that I really enjoyed doing. Um, and it wasn't just baseball that I did scorekeeping. I also did scorekeeping for, for basketball as well. Um, one of my friend's dads in, in middle school, you know, coached his team and, you know, had asked me to do scorekeeping. I did it for a number of years. Um, and I was just felt like super grateful that there were, you know, dads that wanted to keep me involved in the game and so, or in whatever game. So, you know, I always felt like I was able to kind of stay involved kind of past my playing days, if you want to call it that. Um, but it was really, it, it was a really kind of neat thing that I was able to stay, like stay, stay involved with the game, even despite not playing. Yeah, I never knew that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I feel like not only the, you know, the, the dads that I knew, but like just the town of Sudbury, you know, really was kind of, kind of like, um, you know, willing to, willing to work with people that were different. And, you know, it's not even something I think about so much now, but it's like, geez, I really had an opportunity to, you know, stay around and, you know, be involved in these things. Um, so, you know, it always is. Always is really nice to think about that I was able to stay involved for for so long. Oh yeah. Was there any type of like 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 modified leagues at that? I know it's there's been a ton of progress as far as like Special Olympics athletics. Was there anything at that time that you felt like was you know like it got your competitive juices flowing or something that you wanted to participate in, or was that not built out at that point? Hmm. Well, I mean, I, I would say yes and no. You know, I think part of me was like, oh, I still want to still want to play and I still want to kind of be a part of things. Um, but I don't know if it necessarily was like a competitive thing. I think it was more just like I wanted to, you know, participate in something, you know, play with my friends. Um, so like one of my best friends in elementary school, his dad had coached baseball for a few years. And so that was like one of the last baseball teams that I played on. Um and so when I played then, it was like I, um, you know, would bat and then would have like someone run for me essentially. Um, but like beyond that, there wasn't really any type of like modifications, I guess you could say. Um, and I don't know if at that point there was like leagues for like, like a modified league. Probably not at that point because that was, you know, the early to mid 2000s. And like, you know, I think things have progressed really well to this point but i think back then it was like there really wasn't much like else for 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 me to do i guess yeah, yeah at least within, within massachusetts I, i've definitely noticed like rapid like innovation as far as like yeah um inclusive athletics 
Brenna, you could probably honestly speak to that more just being around like the native, like just being around like the town and stuff like that. You'd probably have a better understanding of like the growth of those programs. But I go on Facebook and, you know, keeping up with the Arrowhead campers and stuff like that, like uh, many of them who, you know, were the middle schoolers at the time that I was involved with the program are now in high school and, you know, competing with, within the MIA and doing stuff like that. It's just really good to see. It's, it's, I mean, frankly, it's incredible. The, how fast these, these programs are coming together and how well they're supported by the entire community. Mm-hmm. Um, Natick High School is actually a um, MIAA unified, like, unified official school now. There's like a banner in the um, auditorium, not auditorium, gymnasium. Um, they got it last year and it was like this big presentation ceremony. It was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I know. It's good. And some kids pick your butt in basketball <laughs> like I played in the staff versus like the basketball team game and I'm sorry but I got wrecked by a couple of kids and I'm not going that <laughs> I did one kid like almost broke my ankles his like cut I like went for it and I just like ate it on the way down strained my ankle and I was like this kid this kid no places <laughs> He's hanging out with fifth, fifth grade me, thinking he's going to the NBA. Yeah. <laughs> that is so awesome. That is that is really cool. That is really wonderful to hear. It's um, it's really cool how each of us has like. I didn't know that you two really had backgrounds in coaching because, like, I coach a lot too. So it's so interesting that like we've all kind of been a part of that. I guess, mm. I don't know. It's just, I just didn't know that about each of us, but it's, it makes sense. We all come from it from like a different point of view, but it does mm-hmm. make a lot of sense. I never knew that. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think so much of, of um, I mean, this might be a little too like, um, maybe, maybe this isn't the case, but I think that, you know, what you do is as a teacher and what I like, that is coaching. That is taking an individual and giving them, mm-hmm you know, seeing their current state and seeing where they need to go and giving them the feedback to get them there, you know, and, and holding them accountable to their performance. And, you know, that's what I definitely do at work. And that's, that's what I do. And, um, you know, I try to mentor a lot of people throughout my life. And so I definitely think to be a lifelong coach, you know, um, and like you said, I mean, we've all done that in athletics and it's definitely something that has definitely helped shape me in my life for sure. I forgot to mention, um, you are talking to the Natick High School girls freshman basketball coach. (laughs) The ball don't lie. The ball don't lie. Oh my god. Are you guys playing this season? Um, it got okayed, so fingers crossed. Hmm. I will definitely be hitting a game with Garrett. Ugh, no fans allowed. It's part of the rules. Yeah, I'm not getting out of the house. What are you crazy? Never mind, we won't. That makes that makes total sense. But next year, maybe the year after yeah. that, eh, eh. Oh yeah, I mean, we should get like a coach's camp. We should make like a like a thirty for thirty documentary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, we'll come to one of your games and we'll get kicked out. I can't wait. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it'll all be like you know, you know how like no no bad 
press or what is it? No press. No, no bad. No, yeah. No such thing as bad press. No such thing. We'll put it all over our fleet story. Great callback. Great callback. Great callback. What's your coaching philosophy? Do you like? Do you have anything that like we're gonna do this? Well, personally, I'm coming at it from they're freshmen, mm-hmm. and you never really know what you're gonna get with freshmen, but you always know you're gonna have a good time, and that's yeah. really where I'm coming from. Good. And I, I feel like right now, I think kids just need fun, and like mm-hmm. if win or lose, you always have fun on the freshman team. Like there's yeah. no good disaster. Yeah, for sure. So. I'm hoping that I can just kind of give that gift of we're all having a good time. Let's at least smile for something and do something that we love. Didn't didn't your your father do that as well for like a long like a ten year time, right? Yeah, he coached. He actually started coaching girls freshman basketball when I was like first grade, second grade, and I would go to practices. He started. He coached at Holliston High School. Um, and that's actually how we know the Sicilios, Drew. Because <laughs> my dad coached them in basketball, and I played against them in basketball. So that was, like, how we were all connected. So I would go to his practices and his games. Oh, my God, like, all the freaking time. He would just take me with them because, like, they can't leave me at home for that long. But, yeah, no, I'm basically following in his footsteps. That's was, awesome. Yeah. What, what was he like as a coach? Amazing. I won't lie. If I could be anything like the coach that he was, I would be a great coach. He and he he balanced the line of like father daughter in a in a great way that taught me a lot that he would teach any girl on his team. So that really was a big a big plus for me. It was like it was about goals, personal growth, um, working together. It's not all about you. Like, oh my God, the lessons that you can teach in one basketball practice to a girl is endless, like literally. And it's just, you know, treating them like adults and Mm. and letting them know, you know, like, hey, in the last five minutes, I'm going to put these five in because they're going to put us up there. You know, like it's Mm. honesty. It's like, you're not there yet. We're going to keep working on it, but I'm not going to lie to your face. You know, like, I like that. I like that bit of honesty. And, like, there were times when he was like, I'm not putting you in. And just flat out, like, you don't deserve to play right now. And I'd be like, all right. And that hurt like shit. But I learned from it, and it made me a better player and a better person. So I have to say, if I could be anything like him, I would. And you know I'm going to steal some of his practices. He's got, like, 20 years of practice sheet. <laughs> That's awesome. A little three-man, little three the th- three-woman weave. Classic X, the classic X. Classic Never forget. <laughs> That's so funny. Hmm. Hmm. Do we want to ask questions? Do you have specific questions? Or we can keep riffing? Yeah, I mean, honestly, it doesn't matter to me. I mean, um, Actually, Andrew, I did have a question for you. So, um, you know, when 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 you and I kind of first met at camp, you know, you kind of were all about playing volleyball. And, um, you, you know, it's ironic is, and you definitely remember this, there was 
um, of vol- it was the the year that I broadcasted volleyball for Sudbury TV, the you know uh, TV station in Sudbury that has um, actually has like a studio in the high school, and so that's how I got involved with them. And so there was a season that I did vol I'd done volleyball because uh, my math teacher was the was the coach. Um, and so there was a playoff game that LS played Natick at LS, mm-hmm. and Andrew was a part of that Natick team. I have no idea. I have no recollection of how that game actually went, but we I do swept. remember. <laughs> we got swept. Yeah. I also didn't play. Yeah, you were like a be- bench warmer, I guess, for lack of a better term. Five, five foot, five foot, nothing, probably. <laughs> Yeah, man, I, I uh, so LS was a very formidable volleyball team back in the day. They kind of actually kind of petered out by the time that I made my way around. But yeah, yeah they were like the juggernaut in, uh-huh. in, when you were going to school and, and maybe also a little bit before your time as well. So I'll, I'll ask the question. So wait, did I ask the question already or did I just forget? Okay, I don't think I, I don't think I asked it. Um, but what what is it about volleyball that like stayed in your life so long? Um, because you had you had played at, yeah. at high school and then you had you done club at, at, at Providence, right? Yeah, so I, I did it up at uh, Providence and um, did it on. I would like put together a little intramural team and I mm. just like if you want to win a t-shirt, I know you know we we won um, every year that I was eligible to go to school. I'll give you that little nugget right there. Uh, and uh, and then I you know I still play like uh, in a pickup league before Corona. Yeah. Uh, with the, just a few families around Natick and um, hmm. we go in and Newton South and play. But um, <clears throat> the reason I love volleyball is is I, I'm in like a setter position, which means that I set up players to hit the ball and, and score points. And it's like effectively being like the quarterback of um, an offense. But you hmm. also um, – you have to work very closely with the head coach. You need to set up the offense. You need to understand the blockers on the other team. You need to understand who's hot as far as – your hitters who's cold, who likes the ball where, um, you know, I was the, the captain, which means I understand the, the, the team and its makeup and how we're going to practice, how we're going to play, the feedback we need to give. Um, I was a four captain, so I had to interact with the refs. And I, so I had to wear a lot of hats and a lot of moments in real time make decisions which would affect the outcome of the game. And it just, you know, it was a rare thing where what I did blended very well with the position and, um, I'll forever love playing volleyball from that position. Um, and I, you know, I love the people that I worked with and yeah, it's a great sport. Hmm. There's a term, um, one of my old teammates, he ended up playing very far into his life. He's a very talented player. He was over at Puerto Rico and he played on the U17 team that won the nationals and their thing was ultimate volleyball systems. I love that. I still tell people about that to this day. It's hmm. like, if you think that you can be an individual player in a team sport, like you have to be in part of a system. It's an ultimate volleyball system. And, mm-hmm. and I never felt like I was bigger than the team. And I always try to just like be of service to the team. And, um, you know, I just love being part of the system. So perfect team sport. And uh, I loved how I fit into it. I feel like you describing some of those things, it's almost like volleyball is like describing your life almost. Um, and that just seems like that, sport just was so perfect for you because you were able to kind of be yourself in a way, you know, interact with so many different people and, you know, affect so many different people. Um, I just, that that was, that was great. That was a perfect answer. Oh yeah, man. 
all those things kind of informed who I was as a person. And um, I'm just, you know, really grateful to have literally stumbled into both of those opportunities. And I was smart enough at the time to realize how special they were to me. And I gave them literally every single thing that I had. And um, anytime you naturally love something and you devote time and effort into it and you sacrifice for it and you frankly are willing to die for it, like things are going to change and results are going to follow and never in my life and my full heart is in it. Have I not gotten something done, but it's also realizing the things that you don't love or that you're not having success with and like strategically quitting those things. Um, as, as unpopular as that is to say, like mm. you got to listen to your gut and you got to do what you love. And, um, once you find that thing, you know, spend the rest of your goddamn life hammering that thing away. It is super true, though. You do really have to funnel out, like, what sports you end up playing as you get older. You can't just keep it, like, super open. Mm -hmm. I I got that great feedback of, like, getting cut from teams or, like, not making teams or, like, not getting playing time for whole seasons. Like, you wouldn't go back out for a sport. So, also, like, I got redirected in the sense where, like, you know, just not being very good at many of the sports that I played. I think that also had a big big driver but I think here one thing you said like I think I was talking about the same thing with Arrowhead and volleyball is like you're like yeah I took to sports and I never left or I, you said like I was obsessed with it and it never stopped mm-hmm. and like that is the thing that grabs people and it's cool that sports or athletics or competition like grabbed all three of us that never really saw that as like a huge str- I mean we're on the 13th episode it's not like this was like the biggest thing and yet we're halfway into it and you realize like yeah this is really similar to all three of us mm-hmm So one of the things I was able to do kind of in my middle school years is uh, playing power soccer, which I did for two, three years. Um, and that was a really fun experience to be able to do that. So um, for those of you that don't know, it's uh, power soccer is basically soccer for you know people that use motorized wheelchairs. And so they attach like a, a guard on the front of it. So you're able to, you know, hit the ball and the ball, you know, is gigantic. Obviously it can't be a, you know, small soccer ball, but, um, that was a fun sport that I was able to do. And I just kind of happened to happen to stumble upon. I'm not really sure, you know, how I heard about it, but, um, there was a, a woman who had like ran the Sudbury, like parks and rec and like was putting together a team. And so, um, I played for about two seasons and we traveled a little bit. We, uh, went to play a team at, um, the university of New Hampshire once or twice, um, so, you know, that was a fun way for me to kind of get back into kind of being an athlete again, if, if you will, um, just gave me kind of a fun activity to do, made it feel like, you know, I was involved in something. What was like the general makeup of the people on the team like that you were playing? You know, it really was all over, you know, there were, there was, um, a girl who was a couple a couple years older than me, um, and then we had another girl who was who was nonverbal, um, and then there was kind of an older guy who was like in his fifties or sixties. Um, it kind of was just like diverse, like all over the place, um, and so it was it was definitely you know interesting, um, but it was something that I just I just had a lot of fun with, and you know naturally obviously had my competitive juices flowing. I mean. 
it's hard not to if you're participating in something like that. But uh, for the most part, I just had a really fun time and was happy to be able to kind of be involved in something um, and got a lot of my friends interested in it when I was in middle school. I'd have like 10 or 10 or 12 people like come to games and just be so excited. Um, and that was definitely really cool. Um, and a couple of those, ironically, a couple of those people were people that I had met through baseball scorekeeping, believe it or not. So, you know, it was kind of wild to have both of those worlds kind of merge. Um, but it was something that I had a lot of fun with. Well, I never knew that, man. I kind of feel bad. I've never really asked any questions about like any of your younger childhood athletic experiences. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's so interesting because that's something that I did like before Arrowhead, like almost right before Arrowhead, you know, I had played for two, two and a half years and then just had kind of stopped, but it was like right before I did Arrowhead and it was like, I don't know, it just was very interesting or maybe it led into Arrowhead. I'm not quite sure. Um, not sure the timeline on that, but definitely was a fun experience. Happy that I was able to kind of do something and find something to do, um, you know, it's kind of an extracurricular activity, if you will. Yeah, because when I think about like post or pre pre Garrett Arrowhead, I think of um, uh, the announcing camp that you did for multiple years. Yeah, you know, so that's kind of like the if you were to say like what was what was G doing from like ten to fourteen, I would say that I would have not said power soccer. I just didn't even know that was mm-hmm. that was on the radar. So that's that's a fun fact. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, broadcasting camp was awesome because that, you know, kind of fed into me, you know, being at that age and realizing that, you know, okay, playing sports isn't really a huge thing for me, but I had always been interested in broadcasting, even from, like, an early age. You know, playing sports video games, broadcasting games, like I was the broadcaster, my mom can tell you that she heard me plenty of times doing that in the basement. Um, But, like, the broadcasting thing had always, like, stayed around and it was always something that I was interested in, you know, and then found this camp that, you know, goes to different cities um, in the United States in in the summer. And so they do a week in Boston and did that camp for five, six years. And it was really, really fun. You met, met a lot of really cool kids that honestly, I literally like thought I was the only person that like was obsessed with sports to the level that I was. And then I went to this camp and it's like, you know, holy shit, there are a lot of kids that are just like me, you know, they talk sports for, for hours. Um, and actually it's so interesting. There's someone that I went to camp with for all those years and we worked together at the, uh, Bruins, like the, the Bruins website that I wrote for. Um, and so that was kind of a cool thing that, you know, connected that camp to, you know, what I, what I then was doing at the time. Um, but it was a really cool camp. It kind of gave me an idea of, hey, this is something that I'd really be interested in, like as a career. I think when I had done like broadcasting, you know, playing video games, it wasn't really something I was like, okay, I could do this as a career. You know, it wasn't really until I got to that camp where like, okay, sports is something I can do like for a career. Um, and that really kind of lit my fire as to, you know, being a, being a journalist. Where do you think Springfield College like took your raw skills and like developed you while you were there at school? Um, so, you know, it's interesting because that, you know, that broadcasting thing is exactly what brought me to Springfield. And 
you know, what had intrigued me was their kind of specialized journalism program. So uh, communications slash sports journalism is the name of the program, you know, and when I was looking at other schools, it was like kind of a run of the mill kind of communication program. And, you know, what I really liked about Springfield is how specialized it was, how small the classes were, where, you know, you really got to have good one-on-one -on -one time and get to know your professors. Um, so, you know, I think that going to Springfield kind of made me like have like better awareness of, of sport, I guess, if that makes sense. That might sound crazy, but like kind of thinking about sports in kind of a, a deeper way um, and kind of, you know, I don't know, it kind of like reshaped my thought about sports, you know, and it kind of took it from broadcasting into writing because, you know, writing is not something I ever thought of that when I went to school as a freshman, I'm like, okay, you know, I'm going to leave here wanting to get into writing and podcasting. Um, and so, you know, it just had really changed at some point where I had taken a few classes, you know, and I, you know, would go to, go to like sporting events on campus, you know, we'd have assignments where, oh, okay, you have to go to a sporting event, you know, football, basketball, whatever it is, and write like a game story, you know, and so I did that a few times. And it's like, whoa, like, this is really, really cool. You know, and I felt like that kind of spoke to me. And then the podcasting, me, me being able to do radio shows at school, you know, kind of was like, whoa, okay, you know, this is something else I can do. Because I love talking about sports, you know, all my best friends will tell you that I'll never shut up talking about sports. Um, and so it was just like, whoa, like this is really kind of something that I can do. It kind of developed further my, like, my, like aspiration to be, to be a journalist, if, if that makes sense. I kind of felt like I went into school kind of having this big idea of, you know, what my career was going to look like. And then it just kind of like got more and more specific. And I kind of realized and took time that, oh, okay, you know, broadcasting, it was fun doing that in high school, but that's not really what I'm interested in now. And it was kind of like, okay, this is kind of a new side of it that I really like, you know, it's really gives me the ability to kind of bring my own personality out in a way. Um, and that's why I love, you know, podcasting. I love doing the, um, the sports podcast that I do now and, you know, doing the writing because it gives me an ability to kind of be my own person. What is your what is your style like? What is your like sports personality like? Hmm. Well, you know, I try not to be too reactionary and shoot from the hip, and I know that that's that that is sometimes an issue for some of my friends. I think I know that personally, but um, I think. And, and maybe that's what I've kind of learned from, you know, being at school that I kind of like to take everything in and kind of think about reasoning behind certain things, you know, and not, you know, get super wrapped up in what exactly is happening is, you know, I think about, okay, why is this happening? You know, what are things that are kind of leading to this? And so, um, I don't know, I think I try to be a lot like, like calmer, I guess you could say, because I remember, you know, when I was younger, I would be like a lot more reactionary, getting like super pissed off at stuff, you know, yelling at the TV. I still yell at the TV, but, you know, I try to be, you know, as reasonable as I can. 
reasonable. Yeah. Just. <laughs> yeah, I know some people listening to this might might disagree, but yeah, whatever. <laughs> I think I think you know exactly who I'm talking about. Yeah, bring them in on the podcast. Any, any critics we have, we can bring them on. Oh, we can hash it out. Hash it out. Um, yeah, I want to, I want to talk rugby. I want to talk rugby. And, um, if you could just kind of give everyone a background of your introduction to rugby, the position that you played, your journey with it through college, um, we'll probably stay in college for a little bit and then we can touch on, uh, how it's affected your life as well. Yeah. Well, so rugby, honestly, was college. That was college for me. It was all of my best friends. It was what I did six out of seven days a week. I devoted myself to it. Um, It's actually a very funny story how I got into it. Um, I went to the freshman sports fair, just or a club fair, just hoping to, I actually really wanted to play club softball, um, at CUSE, but I never made it to the, the booth because as I was walking by, um, shout out again to Emily Rossi, um, she was sitting at the booth and looked at me and said, Hey, you look like you would be pretty good at tackling somebody. And I said, huh? And then we're hooked. She was like, come here, come here. Called me over, was like, have you ever heard of rugby? And I was like, nope. And she was like, do you like tackling people? And I was like, I've always wanted to play football, but my dad never let me. And she was like, now's your chance. And that was it. I went I went to my first practice by myself. Um, it was terrifying because you had to take a bus. Um, and you had to go, and it's like this hard-to-find field. And I went down into my first practice. There was two other girls. And when you're new, they call you rookies. So there were three rookies total. Um, and then one girl who was a rookie, but she was already really good. So she was already playing with the, the big kids, if you will. But um, it was super fun. I actually met at that very practice um, one of the other rookies who was there. We next night ran into each other in the bathroom at a party and we were like rugby rugby oh my god exchange numbers um and then we're just best friends for the rest of college um like went to every practice together lived together three out of the four years like just you know absolutely found my my family through rugby i found myself um it was you know kind of to tie in my life as a whole was how I found out that I was gay. I mean, I don't want to say found out. It was how I affirmed that I was gay, Mm -hmm. right? I never saw anyone who reflected me, who was a strong woman, who was into other women and, you know, dressed like I did and still wanted to be feminine and, and stuff like that. I just had never experienced a woman who was like that, who was gay until I got to the rugby team and I met, um, one of the seniors and I was like, whoa, okay, if she's gay, <laughs> like, I think I know, I think I am too, like, if that, if this is a thing, you know, so that was kind of part of it, and throughout my journey, came out to the team, and they're so accepting, and, and honestly, I think that was my favorite part of rugby, 
was it is the most accepting sport you could be at any level of ability and we would love to have you on the field like you don't have to be amazing at the sport to play it and you know most women's teams you're not going to get everyone amazing still playing in their 30s but it's because we're accepting it's because we know how to have fun like you know it's competitive but everyone still loves each other at the end of the day um and i think honestly the part of that kind of culture too in rugby is like you could tackle someone and then the culture of it is you get up and that person says damn that was a nice tackle and you help them up like it's so sportsmanship it's so like before we get into a scrum and we go head to head and a scrum for anyone who doesn't know is when there's two the teams go face to face and there's a row of three a row of four and then a row of two all stacked up into each other so then that way we hit and we fight over the ball from there as, a, as one unit. Um, and it's like very powerful when you do it correctly with the right team, with the right setup, but everything needs to click together. And then you're literally face to face with the other team. And some of the funniest things have ever happened to me in, in a scrum. Like we one time were, <laughs> it's really funny. We're sitting there and the other team kept barking like to be like intimidating and like I was a sophomore I didn't know what the hell was going on I was like what these girls are crazy and then the girl next to me just goes watch this and then goes down and they all start barking and she just goes meow (laughs) middle of the game middle of the scrum hitting each other it was so funny that we all laughed and the scrum actually collapsed which is low-key dangerous but it was so funny um that's just like what rugby is you know like respect for the the ref the sir you always refer to them as sir um if you get a yellow card you actually can get sin binned which is like time out <laughs> it's kind of like hockey um rugby mixes cheerleading soccer football track i mean literally anything you could imagine in a sport is rugby and I think that's it's so beautiful and you know the socials after every game there's always a guaranteed social the teams always get together to hang out um, we sing rugby songs together um, different teams have different versions of songs um, super fun my song that I used to sing for our team was called days of the week it's not appropriate so I won't sing it on here um maybe another time (laughs) but they're just you know very fun social open accepting team and sport Mm. I just never want to stop playing it Mm. and then just for a technical like like this is like a very like in the weeds question, but like what position did you play, and like what were some of the roles and responsibilities of that of of that uh, position? Yeah, so I played a couple positions. My big one in college was prop, um, and so basically what a prop is is I'm at the front lines of the scrum, um, so I'm like the solid base that the scrum rests on, um, and then. It's a little difficult because I'm not that big of a base, so sometimes the other teams can, like, physically pick me up, which is always a little bit difficult, but um, my main role there was in the scrum to set the scrum, make sure we were solid, and then in the game, I was a tackler, and I was a forward. So when you're a forward, you're basically not in the big pretty line and the long plays that go through a 
you're that solid, larger group of people who can tackle really hard, push really hard short distances, um, push into the goal. Like if there's these things called malls and they basically sound like, like a, like a mall, like you get together, everyone's shoving and pushing just like similarly in football. Um, but if you aren't throwing you're all into it. That's like basically a forwards based thing. Like we get our bodies behind it and we push as hard as we can. Um, I also threw the ball in when we would do lineouts, um, which can be kind of tricky. So I would call the plays when we were passing the ball in from out of, out of bounds. Um, and that is more just difficult because you, it's very specific how you throw it. You have to throw it dead down the middle. If it goes either to the left or the right, it goes to the other team automatically. So it takes like skill to it. Um, and then as I got older, I moved into the eight man position because I kind of got more fit and more into rugby. Um, and so the eight man is basically the pack leader for forwards. So like I was now at the back of the scrum but at the back of the scrum, I ran the ball more. I um, was able to make moves. I was able to read the field better. So I was able to cut through. Um, I supported the back line, which is, you know, more difficult when you're not running around a lot. Um, I My favorite play at the beginning of a game, so they we kick off to each other. Um, and my favorite, absolute favorite play, it was mine. It was mine only. I was a prop and I was at the front and I would catch the ball right at the front and then immediately kick it because the other team is running at us so when I caught it I would immediately kick it over their heads and sprint and run the ball down and then score and I did it like probably a handful of times sometimes it works really well sometimes it doesn't but that was like my big play that I just loved oh my god to run through those girls and like be my size and be shoving little like backs around which is the pretty playing and passing line is a back um and then my my big joke position that i always tell everyone that i'm a i'm a dream <laughs> my big dream is to be a wing um the wings in rugby are typically the um smallest and fastest <laughs> And as I am not really either of those, it is super fun to be a wing because although I am slow, I am much stronger than the other wings. Yes. <laughs> it does make it fun, but um, you don't get the ball as much and you don't get to tackle as much, which is my favorite part. I love tackling. I'll take on any challenge. I don't care. I almost broke my like shoulder in a game because no one would tackle this girl, and I got so mad that I took her out, and then because I was able to take her down by myself, she purposefully fell on top of me, knees first, into my shoulder, and I, I, I lost, I, like, my arm was just, like, limp for a little, and I didn't feel my arm, and I had to be in a sling for a couple of days because she pinched a nerve. <laughs> but, like, honestly, that's also part of it. Rugby mm. is, like, part injuries. Like, I would be covered in bruises, and it was like a, it was like a badge of honor. Mm. Like, if you were covered in bruises, you played fucking hard, and that showed. Like, you're covered in mud and dirt, you played a good game. Like, if, if I walked out of a game not covered in dirt and feeling at least two bruises, I wasn't proud of myself. Mm. That's so interesting you know hearing about the the team camaraderie so uh, my older brother played rugby for a few years in high school um, I didn't know that. so 
I don't know exactly what position he played, but he was not someone that really got dirty. So I don't know he what position. Yeah. So, you know, I remember going to like some of his games and not having a clue what was going on. Um, but I think like through the years, I kind of picked up on, you know, some of the rules. I think we have a couple of rugby balls uh, in the house. Um, and it's actually interesting. My younger brother, Carter, was actually going to play um, in the spring. But, you know, thanks to COVID, that didn't happen. So that was kind of kind of kind of frustrating because um, it looked it seemed like he really was excited to try it. Um, so, Brenna, I have a question for you. Um, if you could say anything to anyone that's like considering, you know, playing rugby, maybe they're going back and forth on it. What what would you say? Do it. I have seen whether, you know, like I know a lot of people are like, oh, I could never tackle somebody. And it's like, I have seen some of the smallest, tiniest, like bones of human beings take out six foot tall, 250 girls who like without even the blink of an eye, you know, like it, it's not, a, it's not a case of size. It's never in rugby. It doesn't matter how big you are, how small you are, how fast you are. It's, it's that you're playing as a team. You're playing together. You're as fast as your slowest player. That's what we used to say. Because a lot of the time we run as a solid unit down the line, like a straight line. Um, and if the minute someone runs too fast, there's a gap. You're, you're welcoming the other team to run you over all day long. So if you don't come together as a team, if you're not as fast as your slowest player, what's the point? Mm. You know? So it, it really, mm. I think, is the one thing that, Nothing should hold you back if you're thinking it's physical. If it's mental, it is the most accepting and positive sport I've ever played. Parents on the sidelines, like the fans that you can get in rugby are the most incredible fans in the entire world. They'll cheer for anything. Um, you cheer for either team. Like, and again, I mean, it's just there's no other sport where, like in basketball, I would foul out of games all the time just out of pure anger and like being pissed and competitive but in rugby i can be pissed and competitive and still laugh when the other team is like shit girl calm down and then i'm like laughing because it's funny but it is like it's mm. it is such a family-based game and if when you are when i'm out and i'm like oh i hear rugby it's an immediate connection mm. that that table will buy you drinks they'll buy you a round of drinks they don't give a shit you play rugby oh my god you were a scrum half which is like the quarterback they're like their own little fancy club like it's it's a whole thing it's mm. it's really a beautiful thing and i would mm. say that if you're even on on the fence about it to do it because you won't regret it mm. um Earlier, so I was aware that you, you in our in our previous conversations somewhere in our life, you had said that like being on the rugby team really helped you understand like and have the confidence to, like fully come out. So that, I I was aware of that. However, I didn't know that you almost left Syracuse, and I'm curious what were the problems that kind of were going to lead you to leave. And then how did rugby and that community help keep you at Syracuse? Yeah. So, I mean, off the bat, I was the only person for Natick to go to Syracuse. So I knew literally no one. There was no one years ahead of me that had gone. There was, you know, it was just me. 
Um, I never had an issue making friends, but I didn't realize the settings that I made friends in. So, like, I was able, I mean, in my program, my major, I met my best friend on the first day. She's still my best friend to this day. I love her. Um, but it was because we were in a set program. We were similar. Um, and we just clicked immediately. That was just, you know, something lucky that happened. But um, otherwise, I really wasn't finding social connections. Um, I didn't like my roommate very much. She was nice, but just not not for me. You know, we just weren't going to get along. Um, I had a tough uh, fall that year because of a friend's um, dad had passed away. So I actually had to, f- I had to fly home um, for that funeral, which was rough. Um, and then when I came back, I was just really depressed. Like, I just didn't really know what to do with myself. I had nothing to do. I was sick all the time, which I was never really that sick before. So it just kind of, like, I clicked. Something was not right, and I was considering leaving. I'd call my parents sobbing all the time. Um, and then I went to the sports fair, and I started, and I, you know, Rossi had recruited me in the nicest way possible, and I was like, you know what? Screw it rugby sounds really fucking cool I looked it up like the videos I'm like I could do this this is sick I was so fucking nervous but I went and that was honestly that was all she wrote like I was just myself nothing held me back from being myself whereas like with my roommate I didn't we didn't get along I didn't act like me but then the minute that I was there I was like all right why why hold back you know it, it's all or nothing right now i might never see these people ever again you know who gives a shit so i i just kind of went for it and honestly like the perfect example of that is my second practice um a bunch of the seniors were like we're gonna go to panera who wants to come and that girl Haley, the one who became my best friend um <laughs> was like hey you want to go and I was like yeah I could do Panera so we were like we will to like random little freshmen we don't know them and they're like all right pick you up at this time and so they picked us up and we went and we gave our names and this was when I was young and stupid and I used to just give a random name um and so they like barely knew me right I'm Brianna probably in most of their minds um and so I go up and they're like name and I'm like Oprah in the the senior behind me, the one who I ended up like kind of idolizing and was someone that I saw myself as was behind me and she's just starts kind of giggling and the woman's like, Okay, whatever, put Oprah in. And then I go and I sit down, like I didn't bat an eye, it was just kind of something I did, something fucking weird that was it when I was younger. And so she comes and she sits down with me and she's like, Okay, you're gonna have to explain something. So rugby actually gives nicknames. So my um, rugby nickname at Cuse was Oprah because I gave that as my name. <laughs> and that was all she wrote. That's wild. That is awesome. Yeah. That's so funny. But it's just like I wasn't afraid to be me and they loved it. And, I, you know, then I got I kind of got to know Rossi a little bit and, and her vet um, eggs and what the rewind. Rugby does this thing kind of similar to sororities where you have like bigs and littles. So, but in rugby, we call them vets and rookies. So my vet, Rossi, um, was the one who kind of, she claimed me, I was a part of her family. Um, and then her vet, her nick, her rugby nickname was Eggs. 
So it was Eggs and Rossi and me, and we were like a family. And so that also really helped build my bond with the sport. And a lot of teams will do that. They'll either do like the families and the family trees, and you get to track it, and it's really cool. Um, like to go back now, like our line, we called ourselves the Princess Family. Hmm. And um, there's still a Princess Family at Cuse, which is super right. exciting. So, like, my rookies, 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 you know, like it goes down the line. Um, but it's just kind of nice. It, it adds a lot of that history, which I didn't used to care about in sports, but then I actually cared about my team's history, and it was it was weird and, and fun and, you know, kind of helped bring everything together. Hmm. That's really interesting. I got, I got one more. Hmm. What was what was the process like? Not necessarily like the realization, but like the physical process of like it coming out of your mouth to your teammates, like open the gap. Um, where, actually, like, where and like what time and like who was in the room and then who spoke next? All those things I'd be curious about. Um. So I actually, so I came out to Haley first. Was the first person I told. Um, and it was funny because she actually also came out to me in the same conversation. <laughs> wow. So we just like kind of were going through the same journey at the same time and didn't know it. Mm. Um, and so we kind of, I was like, we're sitting there and I was like, I have something kind of serious I want to talk to you about. And I brought it up and she was like, Brenna, I was going to say the same thing. Like, this is super weird. So that was a kind of a special thing, but, um, Part of how I um, really found out and really came out was that I had a very large crush on a girl on our team. Um, and so I, you know, just kind of, we became friends and then got kind of closer. And then, you know, eventually, like, you know, things happened and we had our first kiss. And, you know, then the team kind of sort of started to know, like, we'd all hang out and we'd be like all cuddly and stuff. Um, but no one ever said anything bad about it it was always just kind of like oh like you too like okay we see you like kind of a thing um very no one batted even remotely an eyelash and it was more just like a fun experience for me like at the time it was very whirlwind and romantic and hmm. all a part of the rugby love and all that stuff and so it really did help kind of solidify and I mean I wouldn't be with Kate right now if it weren't for rugby like I met her at a, at a bar after a rugby game our best yeah. friend yeah she met Rossi my my best friend also her best friend through rugby they played together so that was like how we really met is through rugby hmm. well we yeah. gotta get into that a little bit <laughs> can't just leave that be um wait what <laughs> actually I have a very funny embarrassing story about oh, yeah. So, um, so she played for a team called Uticus. It's Utica and Syracuse. They have a combined team. And at this point, I lived in Rochester, so I played with Rochester. We're very close, so our teams played each other. Um, Kate was actually injured. She hurt her thumb. She had a cast. So she was out more of, like, a coaching position on the sideline. Um, and this was my first time playing with <laughs> the Rochester team, or, like, first or second um, still didn't know like anyone's name. I didn't really know anything. I just knew the captain was B and this girl, Bella was like my, my friend that I had so far. 
and we were playing UTQ, so I was playing my friends, and it was so exciting, and whatever, and I was so nervous that I, I get, like, a very upset stomach when I'm nervous, and I, no joke, was, like, in the probably last 20 minutes of the game, I'm, like, kind of thriving, kind of really have to go to the bathroom really bad, and then all of a sudden, it just kind of hits me, and I'm like, if anyone touches me, I will literally shit my pants. I cannot not go to the bathroom right now. Middle of the game, and, like, with rugby, it's a running clock, so there's no, like, timeout subs kind of a thing. It's like, I run off the field, and then we're down a player. Like, there's no... That in, unless there's a formal thing. So I looked at this girl who I don't know, and I'm like, I need to go. I have to go to the bathroom. I'm sorry. And she's like, can't you just wait? And I'm like, no. If anyone fucking touches me, I will shit my pants. And she's like, oh, my God, go. So I'm sprinting now to the porta potty obviously, and I push past Kate, and she just slaps me, and she goes, go get him, girl. We didn't know each other. There was no. It's just like where rugby is. It's like, hey, go get a girl. <laughs> so that was the first um, interaction we ever had together. <laughs> <laughs> That's an all-time story. Oh my god. Yep, I was in white shorts. Like it couldn't have been worse. <laughs> but I'm not ashamed to tell that story because it is so fucking funny. <laughs> That's awesome. That is a breath of fresh life right there. That's <laughs> our intro, and it's it's been decided. Unbelievable. Wow. That's great. Thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I'll definitely, I'll tell like one, like one of my biggest key takeaways from, from Brenna for sure is um, uh, two years ago at this point, uh, we... Me, Brent, and Kate got together. They were they're both in Providence. We meet up and get drinks. And it's a Wednesday night, and I have all my classes on Thursday. I mean, literally, as a senior, I had literally all my classes meet on Thursday. She's like, do you want to go out Wednesday? No brainer. Yes. <laughs> Me, Brent, and Kate get there. Have a couple drinks. We're having fun. Brent and Keith, on her third or fourth or fifth, sixth, seventh, probably her eighth drink, just goes, you know what? Let's turn this night up a notch. Goes to the bartender, goes, I need your biggest boot up. No, I need your biggest container of alcohol. That's what she says to him. And fill it up with PBR. Man reaches under the bar, grabs two boots. Uh, I think I woke up in my bed the next morning. I mean, it was unbelievable. We're out singing, we're dancing, we're getting up on stage. There's only like 10 people at this bar. It was um, a dive bar. <laughs> And it was all for a better just like experience just being an absolute beast. Uh, and that definitely, definitely tailored into um, your rugby friends when I met them, like just salt to the earth people. And, um, you know, it's, um, it's only right that you guys met that way. And that's so mm-hmm. perfect. And it just makes me happy to hear that. Yeah. And my rugby friends loved you. And <laughs> Andrew could party with any rugby team, and I will put that on the record. <laughs> because not many people can. Not, like, we would go to a lot of socials with a lot of other club teams, and we would we can drink them under the table and have to leave because we drank all their booze, and they'd be like, <laughs> but Andrew could keep up with that crew. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's high praise. It's high praise. It's high praise. <laughs> 
always did kind of think like uh, I always kind of thought I'd, I'd, I'd probably sneak up one more time and just like be with the rugby team for a weekend and like they would have definitely uh, just let me just hang out for sure. Oh my uh, god! If it wasn't a woman, I think they would let me just chill. I'd get yeah. like, a, like a badge, like a visitor's badge. Oh god, yeah, you'd be a part of the team. Hmm. I have like a super basic question like yeah go for it just off the cuff and I feel like I I partially know but like of taking into account your entire life right like everything in your life is there a sport that just clearly stands out against the rest like yes. I, I feel like Garrett, I know yours, but I want yeah. you to say it. You you want me to say it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's it's definitely hockey. Um, you know, and you know what's interesting is like that's not a sport that like instantly I was like a huge fan of. Like I think instantly it was baseball, it was basketball, and it was like soccer. Believe it or not, uh, football was not something that like I was into right away. Um, you know, and neither was hockey, you know, it was a sport that obviously I was aware of it, you know, knew stuff about the history, you know, knew that I liked the Bruins, knew that I liked Joe Thornton and, and, uh, you know, that, that team, but, um, you know, it was always a sport that, you know, was always in the back of my head, like, oh, this is a, a fun thing to watch, never really got into it, and then it wasn't until, um, a Bruins playoff game against the Canadians in 2008, um, and it is one of the like craziest games I've ever seen. Like watching it on TV, back and forth, so much energy in in the garden. It just was like a, a game where it just was like it spoke to me in a way that like whoa, this sport is really you know emotional. It has huge swings and momentum. You know, it gets people really going and really excited and. I don't know, something about the energy in TD Garden that night and Bruins ended up winning 5-4 to four in this crazy back-and-forth game. And it was like, after watching that game, the rest was history. You know, I followed the Bruins like crazy after that. You know, living and dying by every playoff game. Um, yeah, I was like, after they lost in 2010, after blowing a 3 nothing series lead, I was ready to kill someone. Uh, so, you know, I got, you know, so into that. They won the cup in 2011. I cried like a baby after they won. Um, but I don't know, you know, it's something about the game that just really spoke to me that it's just a sport that like the teams really kind of buy in for each other. And I think that the particular Bruins team that, you know, won a championship and was together for so many years, you could even say they're still together now, um, and just this kind of like this camaraderie in this team and, you know, guys that really fight for each other. And, you know, it's a sport that, you know, obviously the guys play through injuries and, you know, more often than not, it's not the safest thing to do. But, you know, it's a sport where guys literally, you know, there's a, a Bruins player, Greg Campbell, who literally broke his leg, killing a penalty and stayed out there for like a minute. And it just is like it speaks to you know, the guys in that sport that literally will do anything for their teammates to help their teams win. And, you know, I think that there are some people that don't like it when, you know, guys play through injuries. And I think that's fair, you know, because I think that you want to be, 
you know, looking out for yourself. But I think like with the idea that you're doing it for a team, you're doing it for a group, just as like something that's always spoke to me. And, you know, just recently in the last few years, hockey has really been the thing that I've really been most interested in. You know, I've gotten into a lot, you know, watching the game, learning about the game, kind of figuring out different things that teams do. And, you know, it's just a sport that I can't get enough of, you know, in the the, the previous last season of the NHL, I watched, I tried to watch highlights of every single game. Um, and so, you know, yeah, it's just something about that sport that just is so much fun. I love going to games at the Garden, so much fun. I love going to college hockey games. I've gone to see um, our friend Sean Montgomery play in a few games. Um, and it's just, just, I just love the game. you to say it. I was like, I know it, but I need you to say it. <laughs> yeah. Drew, what about you? Uh, I, you know, I was thinking, I was thinking, I was like, oh man, like, um, even before there might be like a specific sport, like, um, there is a chapter in David Goggins' book, who's like a, ret- a retired Navy SEAL and Special Forces guy, and he wrote about like, the chapter was titled, What If? And it was like a story about like, what if he met God and God was like, like, these are all the things, all the gifts I gave you. And like, you didn't give me anything back in return. Like you never changed your life. You never did anything like shame on you. I gave you all these gifts and uh, that just terrifies the shit out of me. And I think that like in all sports, like I want to make sure that I'm getting everything out of like my abilities, whether I'm a role player or like the star player, like just giving everything that I have. And I think that like, is the framework that I love. And then a second framework would be like living, learning and passing it on, which is like in anything that you get an aptitude in, if someone like a teacher or a coach or someone's going to invest a lot of time in you and like make you really skilled in something, it's just my opinion. This is not the fact. It's just my opinion that like you should pass that on. You should give that to somebody else. Like the way you would, if you were in a car drive through, you pay for like the person behind you. And so that's what, you know, that's what coaching is for me. Uh, and that's why I still feel like, you know, I still am very involved in sports. And I feel like I still i am kind of on the toll for volleyball because I took a lot of coaching and a lot of very, um, like, skilled coaching in volleyball. And so I'm kind of on the hook to pass that on is kind of how I see it. Um, but then also the joy of sports. Like, I want to be that middle school coach that is telling you you're not going to the NBA and we're all kind of five guys after the game. Um, but, you know, I think the short answer is volleyball, but really it's like the principles, the principles of emptying the tank and then passing on any skill that you might come into throughout your life. Hmm. I'll be in sports or in any other application. I like that. How about you, Keith? Rugby. <laughs> Just, it's, you know, for the family, for the, for the fun of the game, for the, what it does for my competitiveness, what it, what it does for my personality, how it allows me to just be me freely and openly. And it's the first and only place where I've been fully accepted for being me, you know, no, no one pushing around or anything like, I mean, Arrowhead, obviously everyone is accepted and stuff, but in the sports world specifically where, you know, athletic ability and all these things can be so political and, and awful and it just is so accepting and loving and fun <laughs> and a great place to get some rough feelings out <laughs> hmm. 
so I have um, questions for each of you, actually. Um, so Andrew, obviously, you know, both of us are really big kind of sports nuts. And, you know, we love shooting the breeze about sports, you know, the different Boston teams and, and, and stuff like that. Um, and I kind of feel like that's almost a, a big part of our, our friendship in a way um, that we're able to kind of bond over these things. Um, I just, I guess, so I guess my question is like, what do you think is it about that, that, you know, makes it so easy to bond and like it becomes something that, you know, you can talk, you know, sports with someone for, for hours on end, you know, and you can kind of bond with them in a way. And that's honestly how I've met a decent amount of, of friends in my life because I'm, you know, able to kind of just sit down and talk with sports about them. You know, we could disagree on literally anything, but we could just, you know, talk about sports, you know, throw out, oh yeah, I remember this guy, I remember how good he was, you know, kind of stuff, stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah, that's, that's just a, I think it's it's an even better observation than the question itself is a good question. But yeah. The observation is so true that like in society, especially like in America, or no, that's not true. I mean, in Europe, like they bond over soccer and stuff. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, it's it's a it's a really easy way to build a rapport with someone. So even like I'm meeting, you know, starting a new position at a new company, and, and my coworkers, well, oh, you see the game on on Sunday? We talk about you know the Patriots for a little bit. And, you know, kind of breaks the ice, if you would. And, um, you know, Garrett, with you and I, I'm trying to remember, you know, where our relationship got built out. Like, when did we start talking about X? When did we start talking, you know, right? Because, you know, you know, we're so close now, we talk about everything, but I don't know, you know, how that unfolded. But, mm-hmm. um, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I really don't remember if, if you and I were like, talking just about sports at the beginning of our relationship and then it branched into other things mm-hmm. or if we like just always kind of was this all-encompassing thing yeah. i really don't remember i don't know if you do but um but yeah obviously at the core of us just being like sports nerds and saying oh there's a name i've heard in a while yeah you know? but yeah. yeah i don't know do you remember you probably have a sharp memory i, I honestly don't because i remember you know us getting closer was kind of error at res but like I have no recollection about whether it was talking about sports or whatever it was. But you know, I think being in the the friend group that we're in right now, I think kind of helps help that you know move along a little bit. You know, um, Derek Welch is now one of my closest friends, and literally how we met was just talking about sports and just sharing opinions. Like at your at your high school graduation party, that was the first time I met him, and we're just chopping it up about sports. I'd never met him before and we're just talking about our different opinions and it just is like, you know, that, that's something that I remember. Yeah. I mean, you two are like, if there's a scale of like zero to 10, you guys are like 15 on the yeah. sports fanatic scale. So yeah. you, guys are, you guys are always on the same sheet of music, whether you guys are talking about the revolution or bowling on it on ESPN three, you guys are locked in <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Well, good. That was that was great. That's the great. That's a perfect answer, I think. Um, so, Brenna, my question for you is kind of um, a little bit more complicated. Um, so, you had mentioned earlier, you know, and I know you kind of said this is a joke that you know when you were playing basketball, you're not thinking, oh, you know, I'm going to go pro, go to the WNBA. Um, but you know, I was curious if 
like what your opinion is about women participating in sports now compared to like when you were playing basketball and if you think things have changed and they've gotten better or do you think things have changed but they still like have room to grow and i was curious about your your kind of thought about that yeah so when so i will say me growing up i did have the gift of a dad who loved watching sports period men or women didn't care so like we religiously watched the college women's softball tournament like the championship every year like we religiously watch it um my dad loves um like college basketball women's like he loves the coaches he likes you know so I grew up watching it so for me women's sports especially professional sports is so underrated it is so good and people just don't give it the time of day because it's women right like that was really how I grew up um like I experienced it, but I know a lot of girls didn't grow up seeing, you know, strong athletic women. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I mean, even now women are paid equally for what they should be. Like, I mean, women's national soccer team is the prime example, right? Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. But I do think that there should be more equal pay. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that there should be more advertisements because the WNBA and I know I joked mainly because I literally would never survive in the WNBA because they're so freaking good. But like, that's the thing is they're incredible. I've seen like YouTube clips of some of those women kicking NBA players asses on like one-on-one and like things like that. And it's just, that doesn't get advertised. It doesn't get enough love. Um, but I do think that women's sports should be, on a larger scale and they're just not we're not there yet mm-hmm. um, we're getting there definitely yeah. I think the women's soccer team is a prime example of that we're starting to get there but we're definitely we're not there mm-hmm. yet and it took, honestly it's going to take a lot of like society changing and and kind of like it, it already has right like you see people post things like fight like a girl instead of like you know like don't what do you want to be what do you want like a girl whatever stuff like that but there's still, you know, still a lot to go. I like, I would love to see a WNBA game not on like ESPN three. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, well, I have to say, like during the um, pandemic, it was nice to be able to watch some WNBA games, and like, you know, I watched a few games, and it's like, whoa, like this is, you know, a lot different than the NBA, but like. I kind of like that. I kind of like, you know, the same sport, but kind of maybe strategies working differently, you know, players doing things differently. Um, it's really fun. You know, it's a really fun thing to watch. Um, and also for people that are interested in hockey, the um, NWHL is doing like a two week, um, like bubble tournament in Lake Placid. So um, I'm really looking forward to watching that. I've not really gotten into the league before. And this is kind of the time that I'd really like to get into it. So, um, you know, looking forward to that, but I agree, like there definitely is a lot of room to grow. And I think like the important thing is for right now, I mean, I do believe that there are markets for it. You know, people do want to see it, you know, people in communities, maybe whether they have a very good, you know, women's basketball team, a college basketball team or WNBA team, like there's definitely markets for it, you know? So, um, I think that there, there's room to grow and I think there's a reason to like be optimistic about it. And that was, I think that was one of the things I loved about Cuse 
was like the women's the their like college women's team they were really good made it to like the final four two out of the four years i was there mm-hmm. and tickets were free so you could just walk in but what i loved about cuse was that it was actually hard to get a seat because they were good because people knew they were good like lexi at uconn everyone went to the women's games because they were so damn good but then after you know college it kind of dies down and that's why i wish it didn't i wish it kept going you know because clearly there's talent there mm-hmm. it's just there's no market yet yeah um i don't know if either one of you saw that story um last weekend or two weeks ago uh, vanderbilt university um having a female kicker which was a really cool story i really you yeah. know thought that was awesome um so, that was super cool. Yeah. Um, I felt like I was going to say one more thing. I think I forget. Anyway. Um, so I um, also kind of wanted to kind of maybe put a bow on our sports conversation just to be talking about like what it is we're doing now in sport. You know, if we're physical, I mean, obviously it's hard to do stuff now, but like, um, Andrew and Brent, are you guys still involved in, you know, athletic activities? Um, I've been in contact with the Worcester women's rugby team. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously not playing yet. Um, they've had a couple, like, touch practices, but Worcester's a hot spot right now, so okay. I just don't feel comfortable. Sure. Um, but I do – I'm going to play once it's safe and everything is good again. Um, if we ever get back to that point, but I will be planning on that at mm-hmm. least for the next couple of years if I can, until I'm too old and brittle. <laughs> That's incredible. Uh, yeah, I mean, COVID obviously threw a wrench in volleyball, so I've not played since um, you know March. Um, however. I go to the gym like five, six days a week. Um, but that's, it's so different. It's not at all like the the juice that you get out of playing in a team sport. Um, I'm looking to like, definitely, I want to enter the jujitsu scene. I just can't be chest to chest with another human right now. Like it's just such, I can't do that and go home to my like at-risk parents. So I'm still waiting and you know, that's going to be a ways away. And, you know, the running was kind of a way to circumvent that, but. Uh, those are kind of the ways that I was I was uh, trying to just trying to be creative. And honestly, I know this is like kind of a stretch, but but working on my mental health as well and doing like meditation and journaling and things like that. Like, I mean, it really does help me feel good. It makes me feel like way more clearer in the head, happier day to day. So I know it's kind of a stretch, but um, that is definitely like rounding out the noggin a little bit as well. I think that definitely counts. Like, and, and I would also count, like, me coaching. I'm not actually going to do a ton of physical activity, but, like, there's still going to be, like, I'm going to be playing basketball to a certain extent. Sure. Like, count. Those things count, especially if yeah. it's, like, a meditation and it's, it is, can, and it can be a workout piece. Mm-hmm. Just, Amen. Just make sure before the season starts, you guys all, you know, watch Coach Carter, you know, and then... <laughs> Yeah, freshman basketball, it's definitely. <laughs> Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, put it, put it, take, take the lock off the gym. <laughs> oh, man. Hmm. 
yeah, and then he... For me, it's just, you know, podcasting, keeping that going. Um, you know, obviously with the pandemic, kind of hard to find, you know, real kind of new job oppor- job opportunities. But, you know, just trying to stay positive and, you know, enjoy, you know, sports, you know. I'm still in just an obsessionist. That's probably not even a word, but like, you know, still every day I'm curious about checking statistics or, you know, watching highlights from games, you know, the night before. And, um, yeah, just paying attention to it. Something that I just do naturally, not really something I think twice about. Um, so yeah. Um, well, this was, this was great. I, this was a great conversation. This really went in multiple directions, but that was, that was awesome. So, um, as is tradition, we'll close out our uh, 13th episode with another um, kind of good news, positive thing for between here and then the last time that we met. So um, if you guys want to think about something, I can go ahead and share that works. So um, two two weeks ago, uh, Carter came home from Clemson. So uh, it's been really good to have him around and just kind of hang out with him and you know, things definitely have gotten, definitely were a little bit difficult, you know, just being me and my parents here, but, um, having him home was great. You know, I had a great Thanksgiving with him and my older brother. So, um, just nice to have him home just to kind of have someone else in the house. It's also kind of made things easier with the new puppy too.
I just love book exchanges and swaps. And so I'm so excited to take this down. And also just knowing that he cared enough to like give it to me, like just felt very nice. And um, yeah, I mean, just so dope. So I made my week. I love that. That's really awesome. That's really cool. I need to start reading more. You're making me want to read more. <laughs> I, I, I get into reading spurts where I read a lot and then I don't read for a while. Um, yeah, so I got to get back into that. I read I read that um, in a class. I think my junior year. I want to say, I think oh. we read that like in class. So um, really, really great read. I think you'll really, really enjoy it. I think you personally yeah. would really enjoy it. You're gonna love it. Yeah. Yeah. All right, well, that that probably does it for us for for episode thirteen of our kind of sports conversation. So hopefully you enjoyed the listen. Uh, Carol, if you're listening, you made it to the end. <laughs> um, you can put the disc over, Caroline. It's yeah. done. <laughs> so yeah, we'll we'll talk to you guys uh, whenever. So um, for Andrew Lydon and Brenna Keefe, I'm Garrett Hayden, and we'll talk to you next time. <laughs>